Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Okay, out here in Arizona, the NFL League meetings, the owners meetings, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove back in Western New York. He is the Channel 7 WKBW-TV sports director. You can hear me on WGR Sports Radio 550. The very early early morning reports, by the way. I go on WGR at 8.30 from out here, Eastern time. That's 5.30. Well, it's mountain time, but they go, they don't do the daylight savings thing. You know that, right, here in Phoenix? Like last month, they were only two hours behind Buffalo. But now because they don't do the spring forward, they're three hours behind. Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo News used to work in Arizona and explain that to me once, and my mind was a pretzel after trying to understand exactly what it was. Still mountain time, but I have been. Behind. We have been with work. We have both been very fortunate to get to do a lot of traveling. I have never been to Arizona. So that is a place that I really want to get to because the year that the Bills would have went to Arizona yeah. was the COVID year. Didn't they end up playing two games that year? They did. They played the, San Francisco. They had to move that game. Yeah, they played the Hale, the Hale Murray game in Arizona. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, the Bills, I think, really handed it to the 49ers on Monday Night Football, also in Arizona. Yeah, I've never been there. So I would like to get there at some point. It looks pretty beautiful from what your screen is showing me. Well, and it's nice and warm and uh, there's no wind and not a cloud in the sky. I don't want to keep rubbing it in. Let me tell you about what Brandon Bean said under this bright sunshine yesterday. Did I tell you it was sunny? Brandon Bean talked to us yesterday here in Arizona. And so let's get back to the uh, salary cap uh, piece. He made mention. Yeah, he didn't give the exact figure, but money's getting tight. Not only this year, he made it known that it's next year as well. 2023, 2024. Look, they've restructured Josh Allen. They've restructured Von Miller. They've restructured Stephon Diggs. Every time you push that money down into future years, it's going to cost you down the road. And that's going to happen. That's going to probably happen for the foreseeable future. So everything they do has to be with that in mind. And Matt, very important here. He even admitted that they are doing things with the comp pick in mind that right now they stand to gain a third round pick next year by losing Tremaine Edmonds based on the formula and who they have and haven't signed. And if they sign guys to certain level deals that could cancel that out and they don't want to do that. Yeah. Isn't it like you got to keep it under $3 million or something or two and a half million dollars. So I would imagine that any other additional signings that the bills make these keep in mind signings, not trades would have to fall under that threshold of whatever it is, $3 million, two and a half million dollars. The moral of the story, I don't think the bills are going to go out and make any big free agent splashes from here on out. All of their quote, bigger moves have been made, but you're going to get some of the guys like Jordan Phillips, who Sal had mentioned, or maybe Calais Campbell or somebody who has kind of been around for a couple of weeks who you think could fill out your roster. Those are going to be the guys. I think the bills are more interested in moving forward. All right, but they could make a splashy trade. And we've heard a lot about DeAndre Hopkins. We had the Instagram post from DeAndre Hopkins 
what last week with the Buffalo Soldier lyrics that made waves. We had Tom Pelissero mm-hmm. saying that would be a great fit. Not reporting anything on there, but Adam Pacman Jones on Pat McAfee says his sources were saying that you know Buffalo would be a good fit and that could work. And then you had Aaron Wilson in Houston who said that um, the Bills were the not the leader was it the leader the headline team as far as the pursuit. All right, so I think I ran through everybody who was giving us reports on that. But when it came time to Brandon Bean, he kind of threw a little water on it and said, look, here's what happens. Somebody hears that you make a phone call because you're checking on something and suddenly they think, oh, you're all in on the guy. And really, you've only done like 1% of any work on it. And then he said, what I'll say about social media is it's social media. Don't take that too far. What do you make of it all? I don't think it's going to happen. I think that they did their due diligence. They looked into it. And they probably didn't like what it was going to cost or how it was going to impact their salary cap. So I don't think that it's fair to completely close the door on it because I do think that Brandon has probably sniffed around to see what he can do. I also think they realize they need to add another weapon, whether that's in a trade, whether that's in the draft, whatever it happens to be. But I I always thought it was more unlikely than likely. I know the smoke started to really kind of pick up last week. I think it would have made a ton of sense for them to do it but I never thought it was like a slam dunk definitely going to happen. All right. I'm just looking over. We're getting a little while ago, as I'm talking to you, the owners have approved allowing any player to wear number zero, except offensive and defensive linemen. Do you like that? Yeah. Why not? Let's have fun with numbers that there shouldn't be all of these stupid number rules either. That's the other thing that's going on. All of the, um, proposals here at the NFL owners meetings, but on the Deandre Hopkins situation, the more I know bills fans are not going to want to hear this. I've said it on the radio and who knows by the time people listen to this, anything could happen. All the GMs are here, right? The, the team, the more people I talk to Matt, the more often I hear the words, Kansas city chiefs come up. And I'm not sure if that is something that will eventually happen with Hopkins and Kansas city. Man, that would be tough for the Bills because I know you got still the AFC has gotten better and it's not just Kansas City anymore. It's Cincinnati. And quite frankly, a lot of people might think that Cincinnati is ahead of the Bills and they are the biggest threat to the Chiefs moving forward. But you got to think about still the Chiefs and the Bengals as those teams that you need to get by to ultimately try and get to a Super Bowl. So he would be. He's so good. He's a freak. And to have him with Patrick Mahomes, to have him with somebody who can have so much success off script would be a pretty dangerous combination. That's why I thought it made sense for the bills. It's just, they are so up against it with the salary cap. He said that Ed Oliver's number is a number they can live with. And you know, it's a little over 10 million, like 10 and a half. Um, There was some cryptic tweets from Ed last week. I think we all agree that they need more from Ed Oliver and even Sean McDermott admitted that, but uh, both men, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean um, basically said, you know, Hey, Ed dealt with a little bit of an ankle injury. Maybe he wasn't completely right all year, but you know, they're basically the way they talk, they're expecting him to take a jump. And right now Ed Oliver, you know, that would benefit him as well. He's a big piece of what they need to do in 2023. So Ed Oliver, you know, he's going into a contract year here. So is Gabe Davis. Uh, so is Tyler Bass. Those are the three guys from the 19 class. They're going to be up after this year. Um, a lot Oliver, I guess it'd be as, uh, yeah, that would be after 19 today. Uh, fifth year option, right now. Am I doing that right? 19, 20, 20 22. Ed Oliver was 2018. No, no, no. Ed Oliver's 2019 going his fifth year. And then Tyler and, and uh, 2020 Gabe you're 20, right. and Gabe were 2020. Sorry. They're all yes. going into the last year of their rookie contracts is my point. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have to make decisions at some point. So, but the bottom line is 
Brandon did say, sure, down the road, they would look at trying to do something to lower cap numbers or to give extensions and things like that, but not yet, not before the draft. That is all business that would take care of after the draft if any of that happens. Who do you think is more likely to be with the Bills past this season, Gabe Davis or Ed Oliver? I would say almost 100% Gabe Davis as far as more likely. I agree. I think I agree with that too. Um, I, I And I would have, don't think I would have said that at a year ago. And it's not like Gabe Davis had the most unbelievable season, but Ed Oliver had such big expectations playing next to Von Miller. I mean, remember all the stories at training camp about, you know, he feeds him gunpowder and gasoline or no, that was Greg Rousseau was the gunpowder and gasoline stuff. But Von sung the praises of Ed Oliver. And it was like, wow, maybe having somebody like that next to him will open so many things up. And there were flashes. Oliver played an unbelievable game on Thanksgiving against the lions. It feels like that's what he always does. He balls out on Thanksgiving, but Besides that, there were just not enough flashes from a player who had all of these expectations going into it. And maybe that was the injury. And it was something that lingered longer than it should have big expectations. He's got to have a big year because he's got to get paid, whether that's from the bills or somebody else. Cause if he doesn't have a great year, he's going to probably have to sign one of those one or two year contracts where teams just try and figure out what exactly he is. Speaking of being hampered by an ankle, that's exactly what Sean McDermott said about Gabe Davis. He said he had the injury right before week two, and he said he just never fully got right and maybe even came back. And he didn't say he had a setback or something else happened, but he mentioned how sometimes that can happen and then guys come back and they tweak it a little bit and you can never fully recover. So I think they figured the same thing about Gabe, which is get him fully healthy, get him involved. And what I've heard here, the other buzz is I think this team really does believe that Trent Sherfield can help them at wide receiver. And I think that would help Gabe Davis take some stuff off his plate because Matt Gabe's a very good blocker. He's on the field a lot. And Trent Sherfield is known as a very good blocker. If he can do that a little more, that would take a little off Gabe Davis's plate as well. I'm not out on Gabe at all. I know some people might be, I'm not out. I think that they still need to add another weapon, but I also don't think that that's like a knock on him. I just think that they need to be more dynamic offensively and have more options. I think Sherfield and Hardy are nice additions, but I still think you probably need somebody who can line up on the boundary as your one, two or your three. And I don't know if those guys can do that yet. I, I don't think, you know, when Gabe Davis had his most success, they still had a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. They still had a guy like John Brown, who you could kind of, you know, you had these three really legit options. I think Gabe Davis is still going to have a really solid career. I think somebody, whether it's the bills or another team is going to give him a ton of money after this year because wide receivers just get paid. And then I look at some of the contracts that are out there for all of these other players around the league. Like Jacoby Myers is one that comes to mind. I think Jacoby Myers got like $11 million a year. Three thirty. I think Gabe. Yeah. Three for 33. I would rather have Gabe Davis on my team than Jacoby Myers. Am I crazy? No, I, I think there's, I think that's right. Um, I think um, I like Jacoby Myers a lot, but especially so do I, you but... think about Gabe's number, especially I know you're not, but yeah, I, I could make that argument for sure. I mean, if Gabe Davis was a part of this free agent class, he might've been considered the number one free agent in the class. I mean, he'd be close to it because Jacoby <laughs> Myers was considered that. Yeah. I was going to say, I like him better than Jacoby Myers. I like him better than Juju. I like him better than shark. I also still think that he's got a ton of potential because he is still just entering his fourth year in the league. So I, I have nothing but, good things to say about Gabe Davis. And I do think that he's going to first off the production wasn't really that bad last year. I know the drops were something that gets brought up a lot. I still do think though, the trajectory is going up. And as this offense, I think gets better, it should get better. Then he'll have, you know, even more improved numbers.
All right, let's wrap this up with staying with receiver and something else and circling back to DeAndre and what Brandon Bean had to say. I also asked him based on his answer on DeAndre Hopkins, which was, hey, he can't really talk about it. He's on another team. Um, you know, he, he, they, they'll always, you know, be open to looking into things. I said, well, what about, you know, Odell Beckham? I'm assuming that means the same basic thing. Here's his quote. You know me. We're always going to look for talent. We're going to look at anything and everything. And, you know, our name gets thrown into the hat on a lot of things. Sometimes we've done 1%. And then he can, goes on. But he said, until someone's gone, I wouldn't close the door on anything. I think you're always going to assume that we'll look and pay attention to people's markets and their skill sets and they're a free, if they're a free agent or someone's else, someone to trade for or not. So Odell Beckham, door not closed. DeAndre Hopkins, door not closed. Doesn't mean it's wide open, but that is still in the mix, obviously, Odell Beckham Jr., because we know the Bills have checked in on him in the past. Yeah, but then you go back to the compens- compensatory picks, and then you wonder, would that ever? He wouldn't count. He wouldn't count because he was he was a free agent. Oh, he would. He wasn't on an expiring contract. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, he, he was a street. He's a street free agent. He was a free agent last year. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, you, it's crazy. He did not play football last year. Um, Odell Beckham, correct. So he, yeah, wow, he, yeah, that's why he was making visits last year. But yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, does not count. Only people who are on expiring contracts now, like Tremaine Edmonds, Devin Singletary, they're the ones that count towards compensatory selection. I cannot believe that that Rams Super Bowl was already that long ago, and that we've right. had an entire season that has happened. And I remember talking about Odell Beckham week six, week seven, week eight, week nine of last year, always being like, oh my god, like this is another guy that they should go and try and add, and then he just never ended up with a team and the whole visit stuff happened. So yeah, I mean, if you can make that one work, I still think that that makes a lot of sense, but I would imagine didn't even tweet about it. Like he's not asking for all of the money in the world, but he also isn't going to be cheap. He's not going to be like, you know, a Trent Sherfield or a Hardy type contract. And there are a lot of people here, Matt, who really believe he might sign with the jets, even after all the moves they've made. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, I know the whole like Aaron Rodgers list of people that team with Odell, with Brees Hall, with Garrett Wilson, um, with Alan Lazard, man, he would have no shortage of weapons there. That's for certain. No Elijah Moore, though. He was traded to the Cleveland Browns a little before the owners' meetings. All right, Ron Rakuya, Bill's executive vice president and COO, also spoke in some news about the stadium. 